profound journalist writer as he was made a statement perhaps we can see it together there is a tide in the affairs of men which taken at the flood leads on to fortune but omitted all the voyage of that life is bound in shallows and misery he ended We must take the current when it serves or lose our ventures. A tide in the affairs of men, which taken at the flood leads on to fortune, get in the river. But omitted all the voyage of that life is bound in the shallows and misery. We must take the current when it serves or lose our ventures. Amen. Genesis chapter 28 and a few verses in your reading. We speak of Jacob. He is referring to the to the man Jacob, the pronoun he. Jacob lighted upon a certain place, Genesis 28 and 11. I'll give you a moment. He came. He stayed there the night. Because, of course, it was evening. The sun had set. He took the stones of that place. He put them for his pillow. He lay down in that place to sleep. This was the only function of that location. To Jacob, a place to sleep. He dreamed, behold, a ladder set up on the earth, the top of it reached to heaven, angels of God, ascending and descending. They were going up and coming down. And the Lord stood above it. The Lord said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac. The land wherein thou liest. Now just note for a moment, scholars here, note. Abraham was his grandfather. But the one who was given the covenant is always referred to as the father. Jesus turned to the Pharisees and said, your father Abraham. There's a beginning point there. It's critical. Because Abraham was given something that would manifest itself in years to come. Your children will be as the stars of the sky. As the, as a sand of the sea. We are the grafted in children of Abraham. <laughs> Bunch of stars out here right now. <laughs> Don't tell Hollywood all the stars have convened. At 7849 Wallbash, there's a, there's a hundreds of stars. 
Abraham thy father, the God of Isaac, the land wherein thou liest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed, and thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. Thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north, south. In thee and thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Of course, specifically we're talking about the Hebrew people, the Jewish people. And behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places where thou goest. Bring thee again to this land. I won't leave you until I have done what I've spoken. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord was in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid. He said, How dreadful is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And I preach today about this moment. I cannot, must not miss the moment. Tied in the affairs of men. If we're in, it leads to something. If we miss it, we live a life bound in shallows. Shallow. Amen. Now, Lord, I pray for the anointing of the Holy Ghost to move on me as I preach your already anointed word. Let the people anoint it by the reverberation of their own voice let the faith rise in this place let the Holy Ghost move in this house for everyone who needs a healing and a miracle let everyone who needs to be baptized with the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in other tongues let it happen this very day let all those that are watching online let their hearts and lives be changed and blessed Lord I pray Lord so because you are not a God that's limited by any place. I pray, Lord, that every home, house, every viewing capacity would feel the same powerful Holy Ghost that we feel wherever they're watching and listening. I'm asking in the name of Jesus for a power. In the name of Jesus, I'm asking for a supernatural power to overshadow and envelop us in this place. I pray right now against every stronghold in this city. Let it be broken down. I pray against every demonic spirit, Lord, that would rise against your holy word. I pray against every element of flesh, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would be lifted up in this house, Lord. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Let the Holy Ghost come, I pray, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'm asking you right now in the Holy Ghost, let all the people, Lord, feel the anointing, Lord, I pray. Let the spirit of Jehovah Jireh come in this house and be the provider of us. I'm asking you, Lord, for a supernatural miracle, Lord. I'm asking you, Lord, right now when you baptize people of the Holy Ghost, come with healing also, Lord. I pray for deliverance in this house. I pray that everyone who's bound will be set free. I pray for everyone who's afflicted will be healed. I pray for every mind that's that's conflicted, Lord, in their own spirit. I rebuke everything of the devourer. I rebuke the devour, Lord, I pray. We have given. We have ministered to you, Lord. And you are faithful to minister to us, Lord. And we are called out people. So I pray in the name of Jesus that the apostolic authority rise up right now in the name of Jesus. And from the back to the front from every side, let it be right now in Jesus' name. I pray for the ministering spirits that would come into this place, Lord. I pray let there be deliverance, Lord. I take dominion over every thought. I take dominion over every power. I pray 
pray in the name of Jesus that you would come and let us recognize you, Lord. You are in this house. Let the angels of the Lord, most high God, walk around this place, Lord, and lift up your word, Lord, and your name will be praised, and your name is Jesus, and we say it with boldness, and there is no power like your power, and there's no authority like your authority. Let there be an outpouring. Let there be a mighty rushing wind. Let all the house be filled with it. Put upon our heads fire in Jesus' name. Let upon our heads Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. You have it right now. Let the Holy Ghost be in your mouth right now. In the name of Jesus. This is our time. We cannot afford to lose our time. We're not ready yet, but we're about to be ready. So I want you just to forget about everything else. Forget about the routine. And I'm asking you to lift up your spirits now to the Lord and ask him, invite him. Pray that he would open up your eyes to what's about to happen in your life.
The wind blows where it wants to blow. You can hear the sound, but you don't know where it's coming and you don't know where it's going. So is everyone who's born of the spirit. This is a spirit-filled church. We've got to act like it. We've got to invite, we got to invite the spirit to be here now. You're just on the verge of your healing. You're on the verge of your deliverance. there is a tide it's leading to a flood you cannot afford to live your whole life in the shallows this is not a routine this is the moving of the holy ghost i'll give you the meaning of this these are not drunk as he supposed but this is that which was spoken by the prophet joel in the last days i'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters they're going to prophesy they're going to preach they're going to speak with new tongues they're going to give the utterance If you have the Holy Ghost, exercise it right now. If you, if you feel it, exercise it right now. The Lord is in this place. Don't miss your moment right now in the name of Jesus. He's healing you. He's touching you. He's delivering you.
Pentecostals, this is the day of Pentecost. Let all the house be filled with the Holy Ghost. Let everybody speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. You cannot miss your moment. Here is your moment. Here's our time. This day belongs to the Lord. It's the Lord's day. That's right. Speak it out of your mouth. Speak it out of your mouth. That's the Holy Ghost. That's the Holy Ghost. There's the evidence right there. Speak it out of your mouth. That's it. Yes. Beautiful. Right. Right. Amen. 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 I won't take long preaching, but I have to give the word. So when you get back to your seat, just clap your hands unto the Lord when you get back to your seat and just worship him for a moment in your seat. Come on, just with your voice, shout out to God. Let him know you're ready. Come on with your voice, let him know you're ready. I think somebody needs to say the words of Samuel. Here I am, Lord. Speak. Oh, oh. Oh,
may be seated. Just a handful of clues offered to us in some insightful way into the division of Isaac's family. Abraham has long since passed away and Isaac is now lying at the point of his death. He gives one final request of his firstborn and favored son Esau. He said, Take your quiver and your bow and hunt for me one last time. Esau scrambles to oblige his now weakened father while his younger brother Jacob plots to steal the birthright. There is a single line in a previous chapter that offers the first clue to this most dangerous aspect of parental favoritism. Genesis 25 and 28 says that Isaac loved Esau, but Rachel loved Jacob. What a travesty. Long-standing and repeated offense of parents. Sides were drawn in a marriage, and the result was two nations at odds. All of these seemingly benign things mount to become much larger than they should have been. One Small twig holds nothing, but the nesting bird takes one at a time to build a solid stand. A blade of grass, a discarded vine, all of them insignificant by themselves, but arranged in such a way, they become the basis of living or dying. If truth be spoken or told, our lives are not built on the spectacular moment. Large events are fleeting and they are temporal, rather We are built upon line and line, precept and precept. It is one understanding upon another. It is one prayer meeting and then another. It's one worship service and then another. The strength of our living is found in the capturing of moments and then the culmination of them all put together. Some insight that leads one to another then culminates into wisdom. It emerges from the collective. The young and self-engrossed Jacob will fail in that thought. He's going to miss the moment because of his immaturity. Jacob has deceived his aging father, stolen the birthright from his brother. And with truth comes to light, and there are no more blessings left. Esau enters to discover the loss. He crumbles to his knees and begs his father, is there not one more blessing left for me? Ultimately, Jacob is now running for his life. Esau is enraged. A scorned brother is like a walled city. Jacob is on the run. He's young and insolent. He's carrying whatever means given, and now he stops to catch his breath. He's in between, the Bible says, Beersheba and Haran. It's a nondescript place. To him, it bears no significance at all. It has no name, no identity or weight to it. We will all come to know it as Bethel, and it will be an important location. But at the time of Jacob's resting, it was nothing more than a high, elevated, rocky, stony place. It was not Bethel until Jacob named it and left it. 
He lays down not knowing where he was or who was there to meet him. But that night when Jacob slept, he dreamed that the heavens opened and a ladder set up and angels ascending and descending. And then at the top of it all, the Lord stood above it with a message of commitment to Jacob. God will reiterate his covenant and Jacob will dream of it in the night. But in the morning, having lived in the shallows and having a shallow understanding of what just happened, Jacob will make a vow revealing his own immaturity. He said, God... If you keep me, and if you bring me back, I'll tell you what I'm going to do for you, God. I'm going to give you a tenth of all I have, and I'm going to set up this rock right here as a memorial for you. It was an unimpressive offer to the omnipotent creator, but God was still faithful. Remember, Jacob is fresh from deception. He's but a few days removed from flight. And while he is now gifted with the covenant, he is ignorant of the time. God has always been faithful. And in that night, God opens up the heavens. He reveals the majesty of the unseen world. God commands the angels. And then he rehearses the covenant he made with Abraham. Thousands of years now in the making. And to all of that, angels and the image of the Almighty and the beaming of descending transcending people and and I'm, I'm sorry angels accompanied by the most profound covenant which will one day introduce the salvation to mankind Jacob walks away from it all and he says God was in this place and I did not even know it because some moments are missed by the shallow mind but at its core it really is a lack of sensitivity to the moving and design of the Holy Spirit it is humanity A veil of flesh that keeps us from knowing the working of the Holy Ghost. God is waiting on the other side. God is present. But the moment of his visitation is often hindered because of the carnal person. My carnal person. My inner carnal man. I'm preaching today by the authority of the word of God. Because he is a God who is near He is the ever-present Savior. He has come this morning. He is here. The matter is not if he will show up. The question is not is now whether we recognize that he has shown up. Or as my very good friend who's now wrestling with the Lord once wrote, Jesus is here. Anything can happen. Anything, anything, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. Everything can happen. Whatever you need can happen. Whatever you're going through can happen. Whatever you ask of God can happen. Whatever you're, whatever you're bound with, it can be broken. Whatever you're suffering with, it can be loosed. Here's your Bible. Why trouble ye the woman? For he hath, she hath wrought a good work upon me. Matthew 26. Believers, followers, all eating and in fellowship, they're talking together, sitting in an array around the Lord. But they are oblivious to the time. None are aware of what lies ahead of them. The cross is waiting for Jesus, and he is the sacrificial lamb about to be prepared. And all they can think about is the interruption to their meeting and their dinner. For in comes a woman into the house of Simon. Consider what the Bible says of him. Simon the leper. That means he was once a leper. Who was once afflicted with leprosy. But the master has healed him. Think of that now. Simon the healed leper. 
but he is insensitive to the moment. I'll get back to him. An uninvited guest comes to the dinner. She and her alabaster box, a very precious ointment. She pours it out on the head of Jesus. She emptied out the price of a full year's salary. They knew its cost, but they did not know his worth. They recognized the price of the offering, but they did not know the closeness of Calvary. The closer you get, ladies and gentlemen, to the end, the more you need to pour out everything. Carnal Christianity will never get this. They will pronounce themselves justified all the while holding on to the most treasured resource. But when you understand the moment and the time that you're living in, when you become more sensitive to the moving of the Spirit, you will gladly break things, pour things out. You will do it with great joy because you know the moment is upon you. She poured out what would be equivalent in those days to 3,300 hours of work. 3,300 hours of work. They worked six days a week. They worked no less than 10 hours a day and probably more. And in both her defense and the knowledge of the moment yet to come, Jesus made the statement in Matthew 26 and 12. Jesus said, for in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Jesus. His death would demand a burial. And burial demanded an anointing. But Simon, who had been healed, was so engrossed with the completion of his own miracle that he missed the moment and the time at the end. He loved the fact that he was healed. He rejoiced in the fact that he was delivered from the leprosy. But he did not know where he was. Like many people today, I wonder how many times I missed the moment. My need was supplied. My healing was given. My prayer was answered. So I sat at meat. I kicked back and talked and in an array fit for a settled soul. But absent of the moment, I forgot what's going on in my life and in the world. Just because you've been healed and delivered, you cannot miss your moment or the moment that you're in. How often have I come into his presence, but I did not know that he was there. There's a long line that precedes me, but I cannot miss that moment. I must not miss it. These days demand, ladies and gentlemen, can you hear this now? These days that you're living in demand your very best. The moving of the spirit demands a sold out, devoted, committed people. All of us sold out, devoted, committed people. I will say to you, if you live in the shallows of commitment and you are a Sunday morning only Christian and you have no walk with God, hear me, you're going to live in the shallow and in misery. Only if you are in the deep, only if you are sold out to the cause of Jesus Christ, will you ever understand the fortune that lies ahead of you? Mm-hmm. Yes. Jesus is here. Don't get caught up in the fact that you were healed. There is more, everyone. There's more. Go look in your Bible. Esther is on the verge of missing her life's mission. She would have rather just recoiled and lived a quiet and aimless life inside of the palace had it not been for her uncle Mordecai. His intercession was more than just a silent prayer. He tore his clothes when he found out what was about to happen. He paced in front of the palace gates. He cried out with a loud voice. He made a big scene. And in her pride, Esther sent him new clothes and a reassuring message, both of which he cast aside. Instead, Mordecai said, You, Esther, were sent to the kingdom for such a time as this. I cannot miss my moment. 
You were born for such a time as this. This is your generation. This is your season. If you are 85 years old or 95 years old, you are born to be an intercessor in this moment. If you are 15 years old, you are born to be a soldier and a worker. If you're in between anything from zero to 100, you are born for such a time as this. I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. I'm just saying this word to you. This house was built for such a time as this. This congregation, this body of believers, we have convened and been called together for such a time as this. We are the last generation before the coming of the resurrection of the body of Christ and the rapture. You're not getting it. Some of you are not getting it. I'll tell you why. Because you don't know it. But Jesus is in the house. And there's angels in the house. And there's anointing in the house. Yes. I won't go down this road very far. But there's a lot of things that desensitize our spirit. And when your spirit is desensitized... You have a hard time recognizing things. You can't, you can't recognize the Lord. You can pray all day long, but still be desensitized to the Holy Spirit. Why? Because you're having a one-way conversation and you're not in the flow of the mighty river and the flood. Until you're in the flow of the mighty river and the flood, you're an independent. And to be an independent means you're not part of the body. Get inside the body. We used to sing those old songs. Get inside the body. In fact, the question used to come, and I can remember as a little boy, they would sing, are you in the church triumphant? Are you in the bride? There was a question. In fact, you wouldn't even hear those songs today because it was very intrusive. Today, we're kind of be, we want to be real casual and careful. No, but when we were growing up, we, we thought that he could come back tomorrow. We kept on asking, are you saved or are you lost? Can you feel him? Can you sense him? Is he here? Do you know he's, he's here? <laughs> Do you know how long people waited to catch a glimpse of her majesty on her 70th jubilee? Days they camped. Hours they camped. A lot of people even wanted to see her and be involved in it, but they were rejected. But the people were accepted, still had to wait a long time. And the Queen of England came out to the balcony just for a moment to wave at everybody. And they thought that was so great. I'll tell you, there's a greater king in the house than the one they waited for. And you've been invited. And he's here. And he's walking right next to you right now. And he's putting his hand on your life right now. Don't miss your moment. Don't miss your moment. Blind Bartimaeus is by the highway side. He is known. He is known among them. Because he's given a name and then he's given a lineage. His father's name is also in the scripture. Which gives great indication that he's a well-known person among the people of Jericho. And for the 
for the need, not for the hunger, not for food or recognition or status or esteem. He is going to cry out to Jesus. Now the processional of people that are ushering the Lord out of Jericho. They are clamoring. They, they are talking. They're, 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 they're in a pomp. Uh, 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 their own circumstance. Their own deliberation. Their own pride. But by the highway side, the blind man, known of them, he just simply hears that Jesus is coming by. He heard that the answer was going to walk by him, somewhere by him, the answer to his need. What is the ailment, ladies and gentlemen? What is your need today? And Bartimaeus cries out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they quiet him. But he cries out the more. What is your need Thou son of David, have mercy on me. I have a need. I have a need. If there's anything that conflicts me all of my years of growing up, that the longer and the farther I go in this thing... The, the more refined people get and the more uncomfortable people are when there's an interruption in the service from someone who has a need. If you're out of order, I'll, I'll gladly bring you back, but I'd rather you cry out if you have a need. Just don't, don't, don't be offended, but I want you to know that, that if we need to move on with the service, we will move on with the word. But at every given opportunity, if you're sensitive and say, now is the time, now is the time I have a need, we will open all of that up. If you're hearing me preach this word and nothing comes to your mind, you think I don't have a need, then I'm going to put on the garments of Mordecai and I'm going to cry out on your behalf. You must not miss this moment. You have been born for such a time as this. You've come into this world. It's corrupt and disjointed, and disjointed, but you have come to this moment for such a time as this and you must not miss your moment. Esther was beautiful. That was her gift. Some people have other gifts. Whatever your gift is, your most natural gift, it was not for your enjoyment. It was for the kingdom. Two disciples are walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. It's nine miles. It's Cleopas and his wife. They're walking home. The Passover has ended. Jesus has been crucified, but the stone was rolled away and he's gone. But the city of Jerusalem is still in chaos. They're still plotting to answer the question. And on that road, Jesus appears to those two and he walks by them and with them, but they do not recognize him. He looks different. Perhaps he's cloaked in some way, his features and stature. Something draws away their recognition of him. And when Jesus asked them of the events, they reply, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? Hast thou not known the things which came to pass there in these days? That entire nine-mile trek was a conversation about the very one with whom they traveled. But they didn't see him. They're talking about Jesus without ever knowing that he's the one that was walking with them. Jesus then taught them, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets... He expounded unto them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. But they still did not know that it was him. They missed it. 
It wasn't until Jesus was gone from them that they reflected on what happened. And they said in Luke 24, 32, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us, by the way, while he opened up the scriptures, our hearts burned. Emmaus, the road of Emmaus is not a road of clarity. It's a path of obscurity. It's not a place of self-discovery. It's a cloudy mix of uncertainty where a husband and a wife miss the very subject of their own story. It's where they look without sight and mused without, without understanding. Jesus is walking, talking, and teaching. He's speaking, but the believer can be so caught up with the event that they miss the sight of the one who is the main feature. Our hearts burn with us. We were just so caught up. We didn't even see that he was there. I stand to say to everybody, Jesus is in this house today. Don't miss the Holy Ghost. Don't miss your moment. Jesus is in this house today. And there's a calling. And when he's here, anything can take place. I remember the preacher preaching once and the Holy Ghost started to fall. And a man in our church growing up ran from the back of the church and ran up and ran around the pulpit several times and ran back and sat down. It was an odd thing. It was a... I grew up in an There was a lot of odd things at the church I grew up in. (laughs) Nobody understood it. The preacher just said, well, I, I guess the Lord is trying to tell me something. And the Lord did tell him something. That the Lord was going to take him somewhere. It wasn't until months and months later that we found out From the preacher's own words, that the Lord was making a shift in his life, a transition in his life. And he was a little uncertain about it until the man in the back row got up and ran up the front aisle and ran around the pulpit a couple times while the man was preaching. Went back to his seat and the guest preacher called my father and said, well, something changed that day. I almost missed my calling But the Lord shook me up a little bit and I had to stop and recognize that was the Lord. It looked foolish. It looked out of order. It looked nonsensical. The logical mind couldn't compute it. It wasn't even a message for the body. It was a message for the guest preacher. Oh man. You cannot miss your moment. If you miss your moment, you might live in a shallow and you'll, you'll forfeit and thwart all the good things of God. Why is that? Because of pride? Because of immaturity? Because of insensitivity? Because we're drowning in all the news of every day? Because we're, because we're consumed by all the things of the world and it's compounded and we come in with worry and fear and regret and anxiety, but we don't even know that the master of all masters, that the king of kings and lord of lords just came into this house. He's in control of the whole world. I got news for you. The government and Putin and the president and the congress, they are not in control, but Jesus is in control. He has the whole world in his hands and he has your life and your family in his hands and I'm preaching today I cannot miss my moment 
if you could see him walking by you, just grab out and grab his hand. He wants to heal you. I'm, I'm, I'm through. Stand with me. The disciples are on the sea. They're on the open sea. And the Bible says that Jesus would have passed them by. But they called out to him. He's coming by. He doesn't make a direct approach, but he's coming by. It's up to me to call out. He stands at the door and knocks. He never opens up the door. I I always get the, the image. There's no handle on the outside. The handle, the only handle to open up the door is inside. It's in my heart. All the Lord will do, because he's made us a free moral agent, all the Lord will do will knock at the door. He'll come close, but it's up to me to say, come in. I need you. If that's you, Lord, come here. If that's you talking, come here. If that's your word, come to me. And if you'll do that today, if you'll, if you'll do that, not just today, but every day and not miss your moment, you'll live in a flood of revival and healing and power and miracle. I, I preach this word thousands of times and I've come to know that on the, Unless the Lord is in it, everything that I say is just humanism. It's just what I think. But if the Lord is in it, then everything that comes out of my mouth, it's the anointed word. And the anointing will break things up in people. Calluses that are hard. And chains that seem to be binding. And faith that's trying to break out. And doubt that's surrounding it, but it just permeates and breaks through all of that inhibitions kind of kind of go away if the word is anointed and if Jesus is in the midst it's about the Lord Pentecost Sunday is about Jesus being inside of you and inside of me here it is right now who wants him he's coming by who wants him this is my invitation for you who wants him who needs him the Lord is in this house now he's passing by he's coming by don't miss your moment don't miss your moment don't miss your time reach out to him right now he's coming by imagine him he's right here he's in the midst the Lord's in the midst out of your mouth I'm here Lord I'm here come come by me please Lord come my way oh yes Lord Jesus come my way oh yes Lord touch me I'm, I'm here Lord 
somebody ought to cry out Lord have mercy on me come on say it out of your mouth Jesus thou son of David have mercy on me have mercy on my family have mercy on my health your answer is in this place your answer I I hope you're getting this now if you're watching this or hearing this stop whatever you're doing and just say it Jesus I need you Lord I know you're close by You're you're a God who is near you're a God who sees me 